Before I do anything else, I'm just going to ask Heidi just to come and share um, a couple of things um, because it actually goes with what I want to really talk about. Hello, my name's Heidi. Um, uh, yes, I was just looking through the PowerPoint, helping Andy a little bit last night with his little tweaks. And um, I said, you know, it's just incredible because what you're bringing is, is linking in with um, the ladies' meeting we had on that Tuesday evening, which was the 31st of January. And uh, when we finished, we came out and we just saw the moon, like, ooh. But during the meeting itself, um, it was following the Sunday where the Lord had really put on my heart and I talked about it to some extent. It's about the fear of the Lord and um, that this absolute desperation um, and this impassioned prayer, it can be what will bring the fear of the Lord. And we need the fear of the Lord. We need holiness in these times as we're going to see you know, great revival hit our country and hit our nation but it starts with us it really does start with us and um, so we're talking about that and then on the Tuesday I was like recapping about all of this because not everybody had been there on the Sunday we just were sharing and fellowshipping and then during the prayer that followed um, Sheila who can't be here this morning she, um, she got a really strong smell of violet and so um, I was like oh that's interesting like, oh, what's in there so we didn't quite know, but she went away, I went away, we researched, and she came back with that violet flowers are one of the very first flowers of, of spring, but they come out when it's still quite cold. So like, say, in January already, they can come out. Um, but I also looked up about violets, and it's in terms of colours of the seven spirits of God, it represents the fear of the Lord. Violet or indigo represents the fear of the Lord. And, um, and it's just, you know, when you're sort of going through your walk with the Lord and just daily life, and certain mm -hmm. things keep sort of hitting you, like, hang on a minute, there's so something going on. So then when Andy put together this um, talk, which he's going to enjoy sharing now, these beautiful pictures, right. <laughs> um, the Lord's really speaking to us as a body, and it's very easy for us to lose it. We can catch it one moment, and if we're not careful, if we don't treasure it, as it says in Proverbs 2, that we treasure it, we can lose what the Lord is saying to us. We can lose the impetus. Um, actually, that gives me a bit of the fear of the Lord, because we don't want to lose anything that he's depositing in us. We need to really treasure and protect and guard all the little special deep nuggets that the Lord is giving to us. And one of them, right now, is something that we really need to treasure and guard and protect and, and um, fertilize and see grow more <laughs> is the fear of the Lord and having that deep desire for him because especially in the West we can so easily, literally, we, were, we, we can be here one moment and then we just slightly tip off into materialism, distractions, all the rest of it. We need to treasure, and I'm saying that to myself as much as you all, we need to treasure what the Lord is saying to us. Guard it. Guard it fiercely. Right. Amen. So anyway, Amen. fear of the Lord, indigo, violets, all connected. Yeah. So yes, uh, I believe that one of the things that we're going to see more than anything else is the fear of the Lord come back into uh, these meetings. Um, I was listening to a, a guy called Jason Upton. Does everyone know him? He's a worship leader. And go on YouTube. Have a look at it. 
I was playing it to the guys on Thursday, uh, Jason Upton, and there's a song called Fly. Um, now, Sean Bolt was interviewing the engineer that was the engineer for Jason Upton on top. Um, and there was only Jason playing on his piano and singing. And he said to the janitor that was there, what's that smoke coming through the ceiling? And he says, I don't know, there's nothing up there. And the engineer dived underneath his deck because he just felt the fear of the Lord on him. And then suddenly a little, a little boy, a young boy, only 13, 14, shouts out, there's a 12-foot angel standing behind him. And Jason Upton was just playing, and he was, he was playing this song called Fly. And suddenly, the presence of God came in the room, and this 12-foot angel started joining in with Jason Upton, and it's all recorded. And it's just incredible. And the sound engineer felt that there might be something wrong with the equipment because he was hearing things, but they weren't on the stage. So he dives up, has a look around, and there's nothing there. Everything's working perfectly. But I believe that what we're about to see is revival, but in the way we've never seen it before. And I believe one of the preceding things, two things, will be the fear of the Lord, that most people will be flat on their faces, they will not be on their minds on themselves, they'll be on the Lord, and they will almost feel like they're going to die. And the holiness will come in. The holiness of God. You know, because Jesus is not only a saviour, but he's a judge. And he knows, and he will discern very quickly what's in your heart. Very quickly. He will smell it. He will see it. And I saw the Lord walking around people today. And he came up to me and I said, Lord, will you whisper your truth to me? Do you know what he said? Right in my ear, love. 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 And that's one question he will ask you when you stand before him in that judgment day. How much did you love? How much did you get your mind off yourselves? And how much did you love me and love one another? And uh, so I believe that we're on the brink of it. What Ginny was saying was absolutely spot on. We're on the brink of something that's about to break out on us. And it's a fear of the Lord that will come first. Um, and I, you know my experiences I spoke about a few weeks ago when I've actually met the Lord and had the fear of the Lord where I thought I was going to die. I've actually had the spirit of the fear of the Lord uh, over, hovering over my bed in, the, in, a, in Ukraine. And, I, and I, on both those occasions, I'm telling you, I thought I was going to die. There was none of this high five to the Lord and saying, you know, jump into his lap and say, Daddy God. No, he's awesome. We sing it. He is an awesome God. He is above all powers. He is almighty, omnipotent, all-knowing and all-seeing and omnipresent. He is everywhere. And he doesn't miss a thing. Now, there's another YouTube clip that I want you to have a look at. Um, and it's, it's basically a young Israeli boy. He is probably 13 years old or 14 years old. Now, he's been interviewed by his rabbi. Um, he is not religious. This young boy is not religious. In fact, his parents have tried to sue the rabbi for putting it on YouTube because his parents aren't religious. This was a young boy who had an experience where he died and went to heaven. 
and the things that he brought back, he was there for 15 minutes. And he was describing things straight out of the Bible. He was describing Ezekiel. He was describing um, Zechariah and Zephaniah. He was describing the Revelation, the book. He did, these books he has never read. And he was talking about the last days. All the things that we've been saying here for years. This little boy in 15 minutes has the biggest revelation that will blow your minds. Blow your minds. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But it does take a lot of getting through because it's um, done in Hebrew, but there's English subtitles at the bottom. Um, But awesome to watch. This little 15-year-old boy where he is totally unschooled in anything religious. You couldn't meet anything further away from a guy saying, yeah, I know the Lord my God. (laughs) He didn't know the Lord. But if you listen to what he says... It is awesome and awe-inspiring. So we're on the brink of something. I I think I might have it at the end, and I might put it up on the screen, um, because I've I've been listening to. But this talk I'm going to give to you now has taken me five days. And I'm talking five, ten-hour days. Where I've sat down and I've done the research. And I haven't gone on YouTube. I've not picked up on what anybody else is saying. So I want you just to weigh this and judge it for yourselves. Um, Because I believe God is announcing something to the world. And I didn't have a clue, not a clue, of what he was saying. So we know that there was a super blue moon on the 31st of January of this year. So... This is the first blue moon in 36 years. The last one happened in December in 1982. But there has been some, this guy, Offdenberg, 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 in 1866. This is his, his German, um, he came up with another theory that the blue moon has not been seen since 1866. So there is, you know, but what we're trying to say is this blue moon hasn't, it is not a everyday occurrence or every, every year occurrence. It happens either 36 years ago or over 100 years ago, depending on which theory you go to. There were three combined unusual events around this blue moon. The first one was on the 3rd of December, there was a big supermoon. The second one was on the 1st of January, there was a total lunar eclipse. And then the third one was the 31st of January, a super blue moon. But we know that when the moon, when this happens, it's when the moon comes closest to the Earth's orbit. And the moon appears 14% bigger and 30% brighter. So it is pretty clear. And this is a picture that was taken um, in, I think, Australia um, on this blue moon. But we know from Psalm 19... 1 to 4, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the ferment shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. He's talking about the stars, the moons and the planets. They're all uttering speech. There is no speech nor language. 
So you've got to look at it. You've got to discern. You've got to say, Lord, what are you saying in this? Because it doesn't come through in a language. What are you saying? Where their voices are not heard. Their line has gone out through all of the earth. In other words, this is for everyone to see. Everyone to see. And their words to the ends of the world. So how many people have got their spiritual eyes and their spiritual ears open at this time? to discern what God might be saying about these three supernatural occurrences. What's he saying? And I've been challenging people this for two weeks. What's the Lord been saying to you about this supermoon? Don't know. Why? Go and do some, go and do some studying. I mean, I studied, I don't know how long, just doing the research. And then it also says... In Genesis 1, 14 and 15, when he's created all of the, the signs and the stars, let there be lights, the Lord says, in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons. Dress rehearsals. In the real Hebrew, it's moed. It's dress rehearsals for signs and seasons for the days and years, and let them be lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And so it was. But we've got to be careful because astronomy is the natural science, the study of celestial objects and phenomenon. So that's, that's the natural thing. This is what we're, we, we can have a look at what Mars means and, or Jupiter. And, because God put them up there. The 12 major planets, you know, of the, the zodiacs. Yeah, was, was hijacked by the occult. But God put them there first. Exactly in the same way that the rainbow, which is over God's throne, was hijacked. And now is being used as an abomination in the Lord's sight. That's not what Andy says, that's what the Bible says. We have taken these things and the church has let go of them. We must pay attention to what's happening above us because the Lord is uttering speech to us. Whereas astro astrology is the study about dividing information about human affairs and events. It's all about reading your star signs. It's about going to your soothsayer. It's going to your witch doctor. It's whatever it is, it's going having your tea leaves read. My mother um, went to a... I don't know what you call them. Um, one of these people that reads stuff. A medium, thank you. A medium. And this is when I was about 11 years old. And she turned around and says, one of your children will be a man of God. And I was the only son. So she came home laughing because we weren't a religious family. She, she says, you're going to be a vicar. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, right, okay. But, you know, they do know some things in the Spirit. They catch things in the Spirit. But it ain't all good. And it's demonic. And it's, I want to hear from one Spirit only. And his name is the Holy Spirit. You know, so we've got to be very careful. So moving swiftly on. So what happened? I was sat there on the, the 31st and I was thinking about the blue moon. I thought, better check my emails and two emails came up in front of me that got my attention. And uh, the first one was just one of these things I you know, get lots of news from all different uh, variants. Um, one of them was from Israel. 
saying, did I want to buy a tree in Israel? Because what they are wanting to do is put 70 plantations in and around Israel to celebrate 70 years of independence and coming back to their homeland. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I got another load of batch of information. Now, this won't mean a lot to you. The Pfizer memo. But it's been in the news for two years. At least two years. And Pfizer is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And it's also linked to FISIC, which is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And it links into the Department of Justice in America. This is all American um, agencies. And I'm thinking, Lord, what are you saying here? What are you saying to me? He said, go and find out. So I just started digging. And I already knew about uh, this Pfizer because of Trump, President Trump. You know, and um, so I, I sort of like knew what I was looking for, but I didn't know where it was going. So this is where it's, what it's all about. And I'm, I'm just, you don't have to read it all. But basically... Um, when Hillary Clinton was declaring that she wanted to go for the presidency in 2016, who else? She was the Democratic rep representative. But there was the Re Republican representative. But did you know that Bernie Sanders, who was also standing as the Democratic Republic um, wanting to go for the presidency, was going against Clinton, Hillary Clinton? Now, Bernie Sanders was, was a really nice guy. Really nice guy. And there was a, but in one of the television interviews, I remember looking at it thinking, she knows the answers. Every question that she was given on national television between her and Bernie Sanders, she knew all the answers. I'm just coming to that. So when they asked Bernie Sanders the same question, he wasn't you know, flowing in the same way. It turns out that the media for that television station wanted Hillary Clinton to outrank Bernie Sanders and gave her all the questions. So she went away, rehearsed everything and came back smooth talking. That's just corrupt. It is totally and utterly corrupt against a, what we call a democratic society. But it doesn't stop there. In 2016, this whole thing went on about Trump colluding with the Russians. you remember? It was all in our news. And what happened was Hillary Clinton sponsored a guy called Steele. He's there. Mr. Steele, who did not, he was British, he was an ex-MI6 agent. He uh, didn't want Trump to win. So he was paid by Hillary Clinton's, the Clinton organization, was paid to go and drum up all this information. And his, you can find it, Fusion G GPS. That's, that was what the dossier was called. And basically they had to apply to Pfizer to wiretap Clinton, uh, to wiretap Trump's in Trump Tower to find out whether he was in fact colluding with the Russians. Now, Trump knew this was going on. But how can you have, and this is where it got really murky, because they went to Pfizer and Pfizer, out of 20,000 times they've been asked, have refused it twice. <coughs> Excuse me. But on this occasion, they refused it once, but then they allowed it on three further occasions. And this is when, remember when the FBI guy, you know, there was lots of 
things going back between Trump and the FBI? Well, it was all over this, because Trump knew what was going on. He knew. But here's the thing. Can you remember Watergate? If those old enough, remember Watergate. Well, Nixon was very, very close. He hadn't been president. It's when he wanted to wiretap the Washington um, uh, Post and the journalists because they were uncovering stuff. And so he wiretapped it illegally. And he should have gone to prison. But this is Hillary Clinton, who was a Democratic representative for the presidency, paying a foreign agent, this guy, Mr. Steele, who was biased, $160 to spy for the Democrats. This is in the year 2016. $160,000 by the US Democrats. Totally, totally scandalous and illegal. So, it's totally against what the Fourth Amendment says. I didn't know what the Fourth Amendment said, so I found out. Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall be issued, but upon probable causes supported by an oath or an affirmation. And then it got really dirty. They got really dirty with the, the uh, Justice Department colluding with uh, the Democrats just to come against Trump. Why do you think they were trying to come against Trump? Well, I believe Hillary Clinton. I've got evidence for it. Absolutely, I showed Heidi yesterday. Got evidence that um, Hillary Clinton is a full-out satanic witch. Full-out. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And uh, uh, even Derek Prince in 1995 said that there is witchcraft happening in the White House and it was the Clintons in the White House. This is Derek Prince. So this goes against the Fourth Amendment because it was one political party against another which was totally illegal but they allowed it and Trump has released the dossier of all the evidence all around the moon the 31st. He, he's released it literally the next week, the first week of, of February. And it's out there now. So, but then, this is what happened on the 30th of January, the day before. And I watched it. I downloaded it and watched it. I've, I, and I, and I was really excited because why do they not want Trump there? My opinion, this is my opinion, is because he was God's man. He was the Cyrus. He was God's man that God wanted in power at that time. And all hell broke out around him to try and stop him. Yep. So I listened to it. It was like a sermon. You can download the script of what he said. It was incredible. It was more evangelistic than I've heard on sermons on a Sunday from church pulpits. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Because this is where he addresses the, um, the, the State of the Union and he tells all the people what he has done over the last year and reports all the facts and the stats of his first year in, in office. And the biggest thing he did was expose the liberal left media lie. They said this would happen, that would happen, and this would happen, and, that, and it was proved all to be fake. The economy in the United States has gone through the roof. 
there are 2.5 billion, uh, sorry, 2.5 more million black people and Hispanic in jobs now than there were before. There is something like 8 billion more dollars going into people's pockets from tax cuts. The business and the whole thing is thriving. You can go here or some of the the thing that I just downloaded. There is, it's just one fact after the other of all that he's doing and all that he's done. And it's proved incredible. Look, I mean, just slashed the one record after another, gaining eight trillion pounds in value, the stock market. And everyone was saying if Trump gets in office, he's just going to be putting for his back pocket. The, the, the average American person is, through the tax cuts, have benefited more than anybody else. But that's how, isn't how, that isn't how the, the Democrats want it. They want your money. They want it coming into the tax revenue. So they can decide what they want to spend it on. But it wasn't just that for me. It's what was said here. Trump said these words. It is, in America, we know that faith and family, not government nor bureaucracy, are at the centre of American lives. Our motto is... In God we trust. So in just a very simple sentence, he is now slamming down the previous government. He's slamming it down. He's saying, the people of America have faith in God. Not Allah, not Buddha, but Jesus Christ. And they have faith. It is even written on their banknotes, in God we trust. This was on a big plaque above him as he was giving the speech, in God we trust. This is going out to the world. It's saying that America are no longer going to uh, dance to somebody else's tune. We're going to start dancing to God's tune because we have faith. Isn't that an incredible statement from our president? And the, Have you heard it in the media? Have you, heck? Have you, heck? But he gave out two testimonies that were probably, for me, one of the most powerful testimonies I have ever heard. I have ever heard. Because what he is addressing here, he's a very intelligent man. What he is addressing here is, he's saying, right, I'm going to give you two testimonies. But it's not, the test, not just the testimonies I want you to listen to. Where are they coming from? What's being said? And he goes, talks about this man that comes out here, he's got crutches in his hand, he comes from North Korea. So he's now highlighting all the problems in North Korea. But he says, this man, when he was a young boy, being brought up in, and, and he goes into some facts about North Korea, <coughs> we all know about them, his, his family was so impoverished. Look, there it is, State of the Union Address, and there he is being presented to, for the cameras to see. <coughs> Jin Song Hong and he basically says as a young boy he went out because his family was starving because now he's highlighting that there's impoverishment in North Korea it's really bad and he's highlighting this through this testimony and he's saying this young man went out on the railways hoping that food trucks would pass by and maybe food would fall out he was so impoverished he passed out and a train came by and cut his legs off that's why he's got the crutches but this didn't put the young man, he, he, he came through it all, he was on crutches, he didn't have prophetic, prosthetic legs, he was on crutches. But he was so determined, this young man, to get out of North Korea, and the story is that he gets out. 
on his crutches, gets caught by the Chinese and gets deported back. Do you know what the first thing they did to him? The first question the North Korean authorities asked him, did you meet any Christians? And he went, actually, yes, I'm now one of them. He met the underground church in China that were trying to smuggle him through and became a Christian. This, this is what Trump is, is telling the whole world. Of, he's telling North Korea are so brutal. They're so brutal to who? The Christians. Listen, when the Yazidis and all the Christians would be massacred in, in Syria, where was President Obama saying there is genocide? He never mentioned genocide. He never mentioned there was persecution amongst the Christians. Donald Trump is. And he gets brutally tortured. This guy. Brutally tortured by the regime. What I didn't tell you was that his family went with him. And his father was shot in front of his eyes. Brutally murdered in front of him for escaping. But it didn't stop. And eventually the story is that he gets out. Gets to South Korea. He now lives in South Korea. And he's got legs. And, and this was his story. What an amazing story that is. Isn't it incredible? It doesn't stop there. He then goes through, you know, fire departments and people and doing great exploits, but he comes across this guy. Officer, police officer, Ryan Holitz. And he's a 27-year-old man, but he's, he serves as a police officer in Albuquerque, police department. And Trump gives his story. And this is the story. This police officer, you see him here, that's his wife there, that's President Trump's wife, and there he is. President Trump brings him out, and he says, this is the story. Officer Holitz was walking down, and he found a pregnant woman who was a drug addict, about to shoot up. And he walked up to her and says, don't do that, because it will kill your baby. And she was so worried, she was, she was going to have an abortion. But the story is that she said, I couldn't find a nice house. So here is what Trump says. In that moment, Ryan said he felt God say to him. So here we have the world saying God speaks to his people. It's incredible. God speaks speak to him and said, you will do it because you can. So it turns out that he goes back and he goes back to his, his wife, Rebecca, and he says, I've met this drug addict. Guess what? She's going to have an abortion. But I said, we'll look after the baby. So they adopt the baby and named her daughter, this new daughter in their house, Hope. Isn't that incredible? Do you know what? This is all on national television. Trump never used the word abortion. But what is he saying here? He is saying, we Christians have the answer to all the problems of all these aborted babies. There are people out there that will adopt. Let us adopt your children. He's saying it all to the world. It's very loud and it's very clear and he's also highlighting the persecution amongst the Christian people around the world. Incredible. Was it on our front papers in Britain? No. You have to dig it up because it highlights the opposite effect of the last government. Highlighted their pro-abortion. Hillary Clinton, pro-abortion. Totally, totally anti-God. I mean, Obama is a Muslim. He's a Shia Muslim. You know, and they took down every Christian 
um, cross, everything they found in the White House was taken down. He was anti-God and so was Hillary, Hillary Clinton. Muslim immigration as against persecuted Christians. They turned away persecuted Christians coming out of Syria, sent them back. But Muslims, come on in. Come on in. We don't know who you are, but come on in. They were mostly met young men. Whereas Trump's government is saying we are pro-God. We have faith in him. We trust him in everything that we do. We have faith and I'm pro-life. He never mentioned abortion, but he's saying I'm pro-life. Supported Christians who are persecuted around the world. And most American Christians voted against him. Wow. And he finishes the speech, thank you, and God, and he stopped and he says, and God, bless America. <gasps> Can you imagine Theresa May getting up in the House of Parliament and say, in God we trust, and in faith we have in him. And isn't that incredible? Isn't that just absolutely incredible? But it doesn't stop there. Over here we've got the Brexit. We've got this thing called Brexit going on and the Ramonas and, and Jacob Reeks Mog. You've got to pray for that man. He is born again. He, he, he is Catholic but born again. He is anti-abortion. He is putting God first. And, and what happens in the meeting? That these people come up in the meeting and start having swinging punches at him. And they're part of this group called Momentum, which is Jeremy Corbyn's group that he started for the young people. And now there's anarchy. There's anarchy. You shut up. You can't say that. You can't do that. You know, and Jacob Rees-Mogg is saying, no, I want to say this. And he's completely right. And then at the same time, we've got Theresa May in China drumming up over £2 billion worth of trade because we know that Brexit's coming. So let's get all these other... So there, there was no trade agreement with China in Europe. She goes out and gets it. So she's saying to all these people back home, us, I'm doing my work here. You know, support me in it. Don't backstab me, support me in it. You know, so there's a lot of stuff about the Ramonas saying this and that. And, you know, so we, we, we're on the brink. We're on the brink of things. Anybody know this guy? This is where I went down. Anybody know it? Because this is on the 4th of February. I'm a sports guy. I like knowing sort of what's going on apart from if it's Arsenal because they just lose. <laughs> but this guy is called Nick Foles. He plays what? Sport. American football. What happened on, the, on, Friday, on, on, on February the 4th on Sunday last week? Super Bowl. Two weeks ago, sorry. It was a Super Bowl. One of the most watched things around the whole world. I didn't watch it. I knew it was going on, so I just wanted to see the facts. But when I looked at the facts, I'm going, oh my word, Lord, the blue moon, you're speaking to us <laughs> through one of the biggest sporting events, one of the biggest union things, you know, with Trump, you know, most watched. You're saying something here. And here it is. This is just little old me, sat there, delving deep and praying hard and saying, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? This guy, Nick Foles, it was the colossal game of the David versus Goliath. Because you had Tom Brady, who was playing 
as the other quarterback for the New England Patriots. These guys have won five Super Bowls, both Tom Brady and the New, the, uh, the New England Patriots. They have won Super Bowl five times. Tom Brady's season was one of the best ever. He had thrown over 4,000 passes, 4,577 yards worth of passes in this one season. It was almost a record, I think. I think it was a record. Foles, Nick Foles, had just played three games and he wasn't even the first choice quarterback. Not even the first choice. But guess what? He almost gave up the game in 2016. But he's a Christian. And he went to God and he said, God, can I give up this game? It's doing my head in. I'm not even, I'm standing on anything. He's having a bit of a pity party. And God said to him, you can either stay in it or leave. That is your decision. But I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for you. Do you want to stay in? So he got his love and passion back for the game. For this one game that the world would see. Because what happened is that Nick Foles plays for who? We've got the New England Patriots. Nick Foles plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, Philadelphia, we know that. Brotherly love is one of the end time churches. Philadelphia Eagles. What does Eagles represent? The prophetic, the revelation. God is speaking to his people. But very few of us are hearing what he's saying. So what's he saying in this game? Well, it goes on. They were losing in the last quarter. In American football, there are four quarters. Not like the good old proper game of rugby, where there are two halves. But there's four quarters. And in the last three minutes of the quarter, the Philadelphia Eagles were losing... 32 points to 33. They had not just come for a game, they were almost outplaying the Goliaths of the uh, NFL, the New England Patriots. They, they, were, they were not just competing, they were doing the tackling, they were doing the attacks. But in the dying moments of the game, Tom Brady was in open play. This is the New England Patriot. He was in open play. They threw the ball to him and all he had to do was run two yards and he would have scored. Guess what happened? He fumbled. He fumbled the ball and the Philadelphian Eagles got hold of it. They then, this is in the dying seconds, they go, because after four tackles, if you don't do something with the ball, it, it will be given back to the opposition. They get right up, up to the, uh, New York, uh, the, the New England Patriots line. They get right up there, but they're on the fourth down, the fourth tackle. And so they have to use this ball. Now, they could have kicked for the, for the field goal and won. But Nick Foles calls a, a play. He says, guys, we're going for it. One point in it. And in the dying seconds, Nick Foles... He did. Nick Foles, he caught it. Didn't I? I haven't put that. Okay. <laughs> Nick Foles caught it, caught this play and scored. But it doesn't finish there. What was the score? 
32 points to 33. The kick goes over. How many points do they win by? Eight points. Eight points. Eight points. What's that saying? What does eight represent? New beginnings. We're on the brink of new beginnings. God's displaying these things before us. And where I believe that we are now into new things. New things. We're on to new beginnings. It's the Philadelphian church age that God is saying is coming into time now. We're on the brink of it. This is our time. Wow. You see, the Philadelphian Eagles, listen to this. doesn't stop there. They lost. They've only been in the Super Bowl once before. They, went, they were in, in 2004, the Super Bowl, and they lost. 2004 to 2018, how many years is that? 14. What does 14 represent? 7 plus 7 equals 14. Double completion. Is it, is it dropping in? Is it drop? There's something that is now complete. There is a double completion, but they were entering into new beginnings. Doesn't that excite you? All out of the game of football all out of a game, a speech that was given by President Trump. I believe this is the time where God's remnant people will come forward. Why do I think that? Because Nick Knowles, in the eyes of, God, of, of man, was second choice. Nick Foles was, was second choice in the eyes of man. <gasps> but in the eyes of God, we're first choice. We are first choice. There is a new prophetic age coming through. Because we are God's chosen people. We are going to have new beginnings. This is a new thing. We have never been this way before, church. It has never been seen before. We're going to live in the greatest church age that the church has ever seen. And it will be Philadelphian church, the brotherly love. So when the Lord comes to me and I said, Lord, what are you saying? Give me your secrets. And he says, love. And it's here. I reckon now the modern day Josephs, the true Josephs, not just with a few thousand pounds, but with millions of pounds will start to arise and start equipping the true church. I believe we will start seeing this all this year, by the way. 2018. The new church age will start to come. Does this excite you? We're going to see revival. And this is what I'm going to preach on at the conference, revival. But revival isn't going to come easy. If you just look around the room and look at some of the things that this, we have been through over the last two or three years, it's not been easy, has it? I sat at the back there thinking, Lord, I'm having the biggest, you know, <gasps> what's the matter with me? I was thinking, look, God, I can't do anything without you. I can't do anything. I can't get up. And I, I was having a panic moment. Lord, I, I don't want to do anything without you. And I feel so inadequate for all of this. I feel, Lord, I, I, I don't want to let you down. I really don't. There's a fear on me. I don't want to let the Lord down. I want, to, I want him to have the five talents that he gives me, produce five back, or the two talents to produce whatever he gives, I want to double. I don't want to hide it away and squirrel it away. And I'm not talking about gifts. I'm talking about him. How much did you feed the poor? When I was thirsty, did you give me a drink? Did he come and visit me in prison? Do you know what I mean? Trees. So this is where I'm coming to it now. Are you ready? 
Remember I mentioned trees. Well, I had a look. What happened? Because I, th- I remember that God never does anything on a particular day where it doesn't coincide with some sort of activity that's happening in Israel. Right? Through the feasts, through whatever. So trees. Trees in the Bible represent nations. There were two trees in the garden, good and evil. This is where, this is where we're coming to. We're coming to two things. Good and evil, or the tree of knowledge. Who's the tree of knowledge? Jesus. Tree of life, sorry. Tree of life is Jesus. In Israel, when you plant a tree, right, you can't touch it. For the first three years, you don't eat a thing from it. So your fig tree, your olive trees, your, your uh, almond trees, whatever it is, whatever you're planting, you can't touch the fruit. This is what is written in, in the Old Testament. But on the fourth year, you give your first fruit to God. You give your first fruit to him. On the fifth year, you can start eating the product, the work of your hands. Five speaks of grace. There is grace about to come on us like you've never seen before. This is going to be a suddenly. And it's going to be so undeserved. You can't get this. You've just got to say, Lord, I love you. And I'll do whatever you call me to do. I I just want you, Jesus, with everything that I've got. I'm ready. And the grace of God will supersede everything that you have strived for when this revival comes. He will give you the grace to go above and beyond anything you've ever seen before or have ever imagined, ever before. Because I'm not putting my Jesus in a box. I am not doing that. He can do whatever he wants with me. But guess what? We know there are two harvests. The wheat harvest and the tares. Right at the end of the church age. So whereas evil gets bigger, so does good. It gets bigger. And this is where we're, we're coming up to this. So I want to press on. So what's all this got to do with us? Right? Well, could it? Could it mean that there's something on the 31st of January that we've missed? You just looked on the internet, haven't you? There are four new years in the Jewish calendar. Four. One Tishri is the new year of the civil calendar. Now, if I've got this wrong, please, Jewish scholars, please come and tell me. On the 15th of Shabbat, it's the new year of trees. Third one is one Nisan. It's the Jewish religious festival. Yes, the new year. And one Alu is the new year of tithing of cattle. So there's four new years. On the 31st of January, 15th of Shabbat, the new year for trees. You remember my first email I got about trees, plant, do I want to buy a tree and plant it in the 70? I knew God was speaking. And as soon as I got to this point, I had like a download within a second. I just had this huge download. It is also the first day of spring. It gets 
you think the goosebumps get a little bit, you wait for this. It's the first day on the 31st of January where it's saying winter's over, spring is here. Times and seasons. Remember that. Times and seasons. First true tree to bloom in the, in the, in the, the new year of trees. Do you know the first on, on the spring day? Almond tree. <gasps> this weird one. Download. Download. In an instant. It's also known as the awakening dream. Tree. Dream. It's the awakened tree. It's the first one that, that puts forth its blooms. There it is. Nice little picture. Or it also signifies the watch season. Watch out. Look what's happening. This is the time when we will start having to watch what is happening and awaken to what's happening. Because could this mean it is now a time to watch? Could it mean a time to be awake? A time to blossom? A time to come forth? Could it mean a time to produce fruit? Could it mean what does spring lead into? Summer. What happens in the summer? It gets hot. Not in this country, but in Israel it gets hot. Folks, what's it telling us? That is that we're in the season just before the tribulation begins, when the summer comes and it's going to get very, very, very hot. We're in that season. We're on the brink of it. Could this mean that we're going to be led into this season to the great tribulation or the start of the tribulation? See, I then looked up almond trees. And this is what it says. I was staggered at this. I've never seen this before. Never realized it. In Exodus 25, verses 33 to 34, three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch, which is the ornamental knob with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossom on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand. This is talking about the menorah. The menorah, the, the end, the top of the menorah is shaped in a blossom, like a blossom shape, where the oil comes out of. It's incredible. And on the lampstamp itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. And this is what it looks like. Can you see here? It's almond blossoms, and there's the, the bowl at the top. The golden lampstand was made of pure gold and hammered out in one solid piece. Yeah. 66 books in the Bible, 66 parts. It's all there. But it's measured as a flowering almond tree. Who's the tree? It's the tree of life. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jeremiah 1, 
verses 11 and 12, said these words. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Remember? What is the almond tree? It's the first tree that blossoms in the spring age. You see, the first prophecy is better understood in Hebrew. And this is what Heidi helped me with. It may be translated, I see a branch of a ready shad tree. You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. The almond tree announces the coming of spring when we see it. And we know for certain that spring is coming. Coming. We can also be sure that the word of God will be fulfilled. What's going to be fulfilled in a moment? A boiling pot. Because it speaks directly after this of the boiling pot. Judgment. The judgments of God are coming on this world. I'm telling you, God is love. But he's also a judging God. And the church knows very little about his judgment. Look at the amount of um, things that are in the New Testament. Jesus says, look, you came before me, I did all this and did all that in your name. He says, get away from me, I never knew you. Time and time and time again. There's even one passage which you know, I read this week where it talks about Christian people coming to him and the Lord chopping them in half. It's in the New Testament. The Lord chopping them in half. Oh, but God's all love. No, he's a judging father. He will judge us if we have not had the blood of Jesus poured over us. We will be judged. If we haven't loved, we will be judged. There is judgment. And I think part of this whole thesa and all is God exposing things. Things are going to start coming out of wickedness that has been under, underneath tables, all these plans and schemes, they're all going to start coming out. I, I, I believe we're going to start seeing things being revealed. But judgment is coming. But do you remember what it says? I, he's about to perform his word. Could God to be, ready, be, be ready to fulfill the word in our time? Absolutely. Absolutely. His remnant will come forth. I believe that with all my heart. That this is the springtime of the remnant coming forth. His special ones. That's not my word. That's his word. In Titus 2, one, four, in Titus 2 verse 14. Who gave himself that he might redeem us from every, every lawless deed. And purify for himself his special people who are zealous for good works. I want to be about my father's business. Don't you? I am zealous for that. Not so that I can, you know, because that's what the Bible tells me that I've got to do. I've got to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, which I preached on two weeks ago. The good news of the kingdom. But it also says in 1 Peter 2, (coughs) excuse me, verse 9, but you, this is us, we are a chosen generation. His word is about to come forth. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who has called you out of 
darkness into his marvellous light. Why do you think the almond tree has got, you know, the almond is on the menorah? Because the menorah in the Holy of Holies is the only thing that gives off light. It's the only thing. God is going to perform his word where we will become light. When there's incredible darkness that we will start doing incredible things for him. This is, you know this one? I didn't put it in. Do you know where this verse is? Daniel 11, verse 32b, or 32. For those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. That's the Antichrist. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I'm going to be strong I'm going to carry out great exploits because I'm in a new season of grace. I'm going to have a new season of of great things that God is going to give to me and to you. Are you with me on this? Is this making sense? But it comes to Aaron's rod, (coughs) which really, really spoke to me because that's the first thing I got down in my head. Aaron's rod. Absolutely. Where's Aaron's rod? Well, we know the story. In Numbers 17, 1 to 12, um, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and get from them a rod from each father's house, or their leaders according to their father's houses. Twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and he shall write Aaron's name on the rod of the Levi. For there shall be one rod from the head of each father's house, then you shall place them in the tabernacle of the meeting before the test me where I, where I meet you. So it's talking about the, the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle. Um, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. So you've got the, ten, the 12 guys of the 12 tribes of Israel, all each putting a rod, and he, the Lord will choose his man. Yes, but he will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. Against who? Moses and Aaron. Because what was happening? Well, we go on. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel and each of their leaders gave them a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's houses. Twelve rods. And the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witnesses. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witnesses and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blooms and yielded ripe almonds. Don't miss that word, ripe almonds. So not only was the rod placed there, not only did it have blossom, but it had fruit overnight supernatural. Then Moses brought out the rods from before, uh, from before the Lord to all the children of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me lest they die. Can I make a suggestion to you folks? This has got to stop. Murmuring. Whether it be about a political person or a, 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 a leader 
or a pastor. This is, I'm serious. God has shown me this is going to be dealt with. The murmuring and the complaining, the gossiping, it's got to stop. God is going to judge what comes out of our mouths. Because I'm not going back to my past. I'm not doing that. I I don't want to be ever heard criticising another leader. Ever. So I'm standing accountable to that. I don't want to gossip about anybody. But I'll have discernment about people. That's different. I ask God for discernment. This is not the time to gossip and complain. I'm not telling you this in this place. Because I think we're, we're quite good at that. That we don't gossip about people that we love one another and we spur one another. But this, this is going out to a lot of people. Yeah? And now is the time where God will judge that leprous mouth. And we're going, to, we're going to return back to the ground opening and people disappearing. We're going to return back to where people will literally be carried out of services dead. Like Anias in the fire. God's going to deal with all this. Here's a question. Why did God bring the people of Israel out of Egypt? You ever thought of that? Why? Did most people think that? To the promised land, to bring to the promised land. It never says that. Exodus 1, five, uh, Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 says, Afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. doesn't stop. Exodus 19, verse 4 says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God is going to bring people, and has already brought a bunch of people to himself. That's already happened. That's been happening over the last two and a half years is God has been bringing forth a remnant company of people that have been in the wilderness. There's a clue. How many people have been in the wilderness? Yep. We've all been in the wilderness. But it's not a bad place to be in because he's been preparing us for what's going to come. Where else have we seen this type of language? I bore you on eagle's wings. Psalm 91, that's a good one. He covers us in the secret place. But here, Revelation 12, 14. But the woman was given the wings of a great eagle. What was the Super Bowl? Philadelphian Eagles. Wings of a great eagle, that she may fly into the wilderness to a place, to her place, where she is nourished for a time, a times, and half a time, three and a half years, 42 months. 40 months. However, 1,260 days. This has never happened before. God is going to bring out a bunch of people for himself. And they're going to be protected. They're going to be nourished. Don't worry about 
anything else. But if, and I believe everyone in this room, and many that, you're, that aren't here, that should be here, are going to be provided for, are going to be protected. We are not to worry about what's coming. In Psalm 91, a thousand may fall at my left, ten thousand at my right, but I'll only see it with my eyes. It will not touch my house. This is not the time to be in fear. This is the time in God we trust. In God we trust. So what might happen in this next season? Aaron's rod represents authority. A bunch of people like us are going to have God's authority that what we say will happen because he can trust us. So please, I'm not saying, don't have Christian witchcraft. When you're praying for somebody, your will onto their lives. That's Christian witchcraft. We pray the Father's will onto their lives. We've got to get clear in that. Oh, I don't like it. Andy always wears green. Lord, please help him put a blue on. He looks like that. I just, Lord, would you? That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. I'm just using that as a light one. Lord, will you change him? Will you help him not to give up? Can you help him do this and do? No, it's witchcraft. Father, just put your blessings upon him. Lord, lavish on him. I know, want the best for that person. But it represents the rod is made of wood. It's the same thing that the cross was made of. The gospel of the kingdom is going to go forth. And his name is Jesus. We're going to take this gospel, the gospel of the cross, and the salvation through his blood is now going to go start going through this world like never before. Because it's all about him. Isn't it? It's all about him. The rod is dead. It's dead wood. But life will start to spring from it. There's going to be revival. This is what it's speaking about. Because the rod, when that went into, that, into, the, into the tabernacle, it was dead. The next day it comes out. Not just with bloom. It's budding and it's got fruit. This is the maturing of the man-child from Revelation 12. There is going to be a supernatural maturing of a bunch of people that only don't own up a blossom, but they have the fullness of the Spirit on them. Isn't that incredible? That's what I believe God is saying here. That the fruit that it will supernat- is going to happen supernaturally overnight. It's going to happen as a suddenly overnight to those that are now seeing what season they're in. It's going to happen. It's the only light because what we're going to be doing is what I preached on a few months ago. It's the only light available. When this world gets dark, we're the only light that's going to be available because we're going to have him. Isaiah 60, of people that will arise and shine with the brilliance of Jesus on them. We're going to bring life to people. We're going to bring life back to the... We're going to resurrect the dead that have might have been dead for years. But if they, if they haven't fulfilled the things that God has or to bring to, to, to heal heartbreak, guess what? We are the, the leaves on that tree for healing. We are the, tr- we're the leaves on that tree for revival, for resurrecting dead things.
back to life. You've heard me say it. We're moving into a new age. But the Philadelphia church will start to arise and come forth now. Not the churches that are full, packed to the brim, giving life skills to most of the church. Because this isn't life skills. I think this is the deep things of God. This is the meat of God. It's to prepare a bunch of people for what he's about to do. Do you recognise the times and seasons? If you're in this church, then you certainly would. You know exactly the times and seasons that we're in. We're in the spring. It's time to come forth, guys. We talk about spring, and Arab spring came to mind, and all of this, but this is God's spring. This is where God will spring onto a bunch of people and bring life. It's as simple as that. There's a maturing overnight to a bunch of people like us. Because guess what? I may look foolish in man's sight, but I'm special in his sight. And so are you. So are you. You do not let anybody, anybody tell you that you aren't special. You look in that mirror first thing in the morning and you say, I'm special because he has made me special. You've got no reason to be down because you're special and you're loved and you are drenched and clean and made holy without any blemish and spotless. This is it. Super Bowl. It's time for the hidden ones to come forth. This is the season of unveiling. That's how the Lord said it to me. This is the season of unveiling. Because the hidden ones, oh, I love this, Neville brought this to us back in 2012. And this is a scripture that had been very close to me and Heidi. And, and Neville said, said two things. He said, the cloud is stationary, but when you start seeing this cloud hovering and quivering, it's about to move. That's the Israeli people. When they were in the desert, the cloud was above them. When you see this start packing up, the cloud is about to move. The Lord said to me, this is from Isaiah 39, verses 1 to 4, the Lord, the Lord has called me from the womb, hmm, from the matrix of my mother. This is you are a chosen generation. You were called before the foundations of this world were ever formed. You chose to come down for such a time as this. This has been ordained to you, for you, for building the, the Lord's kingdom and being about the Father's business. He has made me. He has made mention of my name. Your name is known in the heavens. Let me tell you that. Your name is known in the heavens. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. He has made me a polished shaft because he is about to take us out of that quiver and we're so polished, we'll go directly. So there's nothing of this world that will come against us. And in his quiver, he has hidden me. He has said to me, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. We are that last generation people, folks. I just want to go back to that uh, last slide for a finish. Matthew 24. All about the fig tree. 
Jesus says, learn from, learn, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and put forth their leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near. It is at the door. Assuredly, in other words, you can, you can be certain about this. I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, remember about the word being performed and fulfilled? My words will by no means pass away. What's the fig tree represent? Israel. So when you see the, the fig tree, this is what Jesus is saying, when you see that the fig tree has come back and it's tender and puts forth leaves, there must be growth. You know that summer's near. But this generation will by no means pass away to be seen all these things. We are celebrating this year 70 years of Israel coming back into their land. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that brilliant? It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. This is what the scripture is talking about. That when we see Israel coming back to their own land and start to grow and start to flourish, start putting forth leaves out, this generation will by no means pass away. That the end will come. This is right at the end of Matthew 24 when the disciples came to him, what are your signs of your return? He uses this. When Israel comes back, 1948, but it started in 1947, 1967 when Jerusalem came back, we need to be praying for this country and how we deal with Israel. We have got to pray for this nation in how we treat Israel. I'm, I, you know my thoughts on this. I'm not going to go on that. But I want to show you this. I hope it's here. That's the one. Let me just make it bigger. No, I, right. This is the young man, the 14, 15 year old, that's been interviewed by the rabbi. And it just, I mean, I, I stop this because it goes on for over one hour and 48 minutes. It's, it's long. But this is how it is. So it takes a lot of concentration. But I've been through it. I've, I've watched it, and I, Heidi and I watched again a little bit of it last night. It's, it's all talking about Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's all talking about the end, the final days. When... They say, listen, he goes on to say these words because there's one thing in Israel that they have complete trust in and it isn't God. It's in the IDF, Israeli Defence Force. But this little boy says that this war will last for two weeks and millions will die. Millions will die. He even says who the Antichrist is. <gasps> so don't forget it's 2016. He's, he's, not, he's, he's, not, he's not of any religion. This was, he was the most secular 
15-year-old you'll ever meet, just like a normal 15-year-old on our streets here that has never graced the doors of a church suddenly has a 15-minute encounter with the Lord and has shown this. And he says it was like a video. I just watched it. But he says that in the, the war will last against Israel for two weeks. The Israeli defence force will fail after two days. This is getting serious. It is getting serious, guys. But please, if you want to have a look at this, it's really entertaining. Not entertaining as in ha-ha, but it's, it's just describing... He's even describing things out of the Bible that he's got no clue there. He's even describing things out of Revelation and the Old Testament that he has got no clue that is there. So I make it smaller so you can get the... Um, Rabbi... Rami Levy and a 15-year-old Nathan, fully translated, one hour, 48 minutes, clinical death. And it is brought to you by Holy Zohar, Z-O-H-A-R. Holy Z-O-H-A-R. Have a look at it. Folks, the time, is, the time is close. The time is nigh. It is, there is no more time. But we, we will have, I'm telling you, this spring period, we'll have a time of setting things up. I believe that we're, we're moving into a new season. We'll have a time of setting up and preparing for the multitudes that are going to come in. But there will be judgments all at the same time. It will be heavy. It will be, yeah, glorious, but really heavy at the same time. Um, but I hope that's helped you. And this is all out of just receiving two emails that came in on the 31st of January. Um, but it's taken me five days, literally, to put all that together. But I hope um, that you can go and meditate on it, pick out what is of God and throw the rest away. <laughs>